Good morning. The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 31. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thanks be to God. Well, Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would feed us, nourish us, encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Just as we're exploring this mindset, this way of thinking, this way of looking at the world that encourages the word of God to to help us in our day-to-day, this time tomorrow, this time at the end of the week, how are we going to take, what are we going to take from these little words that mean so much at the beginning of the Bible. Um, In the last week, there have been three important things about which you might have a perspective. We saw the end of the Queen's Jubilee celebrations. How many of you uh, sat, watched, recorded, re-watched much of that? Yeah, most of us. Most of us were absolutely fascinated, and I want to talk a little bit about that later on. Um, Also, on Tuesday, Coffee Connect celebrated its 10th anniversary. How many of us celebrated that? That's good. All right, well done. Okay. But you may also have noticed that this week saw the start of the Live Golf inaugural tournament. Now, you probably missed that. You probably missed that, and some people are, some people, Julie, thank you, are breathing, sucking in the air through their teeth because it's very controversial. It's paying extravagant telephone number-sized payments for golfers to go and play in another tournament. So they're leaving the American tour, and they're leaving the European tour, a bit like the Premier League, if you like, or the NFC, and they are jumping over to this new tournament. And it promises that it's more exciting. And it's got all the buzzers and bells, and it's very exciting, family day out, and it's meant to be very accessible. But it's backed by Saudi money. It's backed by money from Saudi Arabia. And you think, hold on a minute, we've got, all this, we've got this difficult thing. It looks great, but what's behind it? And when I want to, when I want to that can so often be a question that we overlook. And yet what we see here is the word of God saying, this is great, now look who's behind it. I mean, the most basic question we could ask sometimes when somebody's wondering if you believe in a God or not, is you take a walk outside and you say, you ask, do you think there's a personality behind this? Or do you think it was really random? 
Do you think there was a personality, someone with imagination and creative ideas behind this? Because it makes you think, doesn't it, really? I've seen the Marvel movies, and I've seen what happens in the quantum zone. That looks really chaotic. It doesn't look like there's a personality or anything going on there. I just think it's chaos. This is not chaos. This is beautiful. God saw it, and he saw it, said it was very good. And I'm thinking about this. as I, I'm thinking about the Queen's uh, Jubilee as I'm writing this week, and I'm thinking about something, actually, that Stephen Fry said. And I was really struck by it because he noted that he said, we expect the Queen to be at these big events. We expect her to be at Trooping the Colour. We expect her to say something at Christmas at 3 p.m. But what we're also celebrating is 70 years of opening new ventures, opening new charities, recognising some effort, giving her name to something that she thinks is good. And I think that's fascinating. It's easily overlooked that actually what part, a lot of what she's been doing has been encouraging people to change the world around them. And you think that's brilliant because the Queen, we know, is a Christian. And we know that she takes, so she takes the opportunity she's got to try and do something different, encourage people to do something different in the world around her. And I find that really encouraging. It's good news, isn't it? She thinks it's good too. She thinks it can be better too, but she starts from the perspective of this could be really good. And I think that's helpful. So let's have a look. If you've got your Bibles open, it's on page three. You won't find it won't be difficult to find. And um, I just want to have a look at a few things in this chapter uh, which helped the early Hebrews understand their place in the world. And we see a couple of things, don't we? We see that God created a world of harmony. Everything kind of blends together, doesn't it? The fish, the sea, the air, the birds, the space that they've got. Everything has enough space, and the space is there for the creatures that it's been given. There's purpose, and there's harmony when these things are working alongside each other. We can spot, can't we, that it's, it's written uh, for the sake of nomadic herdsmen who talk about the different kinds of creatures. We see that livestock that you can domesticate, creeping things like rats and spiders that we don't want to have anything to do with, especially spiders, uh, and beasts of the earth, you know, predators and larger creatures. Sorry, I'm speaking from um, uh, verse 30 and on. So there's this lovely sense in which the Hebrews, these first readers, were given this idea of um, their space. These, all these creatures were given for different things. Beg your pardon, not 30, verse 25. I've just gone back a little bit. Verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, livestock according to their kind, creatures that move along the ground, and all these beasts, and so forth. So it's a really important. But there was a harmony and a structure and a system in it. And we don't have to look further than the idea of food chain to understand that everything had a balance. We also see that God creates relationships. He creates male and female. In the image of God, he created mankind, male and female, who created them. Um, that's quite important, isn't it? He defines, gives shape to what we are, to what relationships look like. He gave us a sense of balance, of oppositeness that works. And I think that's important. Our relationships are things that were created with us in mind, things that we would be able to understand and benefit from. 
I think that's really helpful, isn't it? That your relationships aren't based on what you get from somebody, but what you can give to somebody. That there's something about, you know, there's something about what's in you that actually complements and goes alongside the person that you're with. And I think that's really significant. And thirdly, he gives a sense of work and purpose. There's a, this rule, this word dominion, uh, is quite hard, isn't it? It sounds quite tough. He gives them dominion over the world. It was be blessful and rule, is the word that we've got in verse 28. Rule over this, rule over that. And that's, that sounds quite harsh, doesn't it? But the, the essence of it is to bring God's things, God's kingdom, God's principles and values to the places that you're given to oversee. And those are good things. Those are good things. And we have this lovely idea, don't we? We have this wonderful picture in which the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. God saw all that he had made, and although everything in it was good, the sum of it was very good. It all worked. And it's not about a moral, just sort of, it was morally good. It was like, it was wonderful. It just went together well. And I wonder if we think about that. I wonder if we have that sort of perspective day to day. I wonder if we can appreciate our journey to whatever, whatever we're spending our, our day doing. I wonder if we can sort of take that perspective with us, that here I am in this environment, which is, God has called very good. That he's declared there was good about it, that there's good in it to be done. I think that's important because perspective is so much about what helps us get through the week well and, and be Christians authentically or not. So let's have a look at a couple of ideas first of all. This, this, this wonderful idea that God saw what he had made and it was harmonious and very good, it challenges the view that we need to be free from these things. Okay, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of thinking. There was certainly thinking around the Hebrews at this time that somehow death was the escape. And there's a lot of thinking in or, or other religions around us that getting beyond this stage, going beyond this mentally or meditatively is what will help us enjoy life, escaping it. And actually what, what this is saying is that we're part of it. We're to, we're to embrace it. We're to recognize our, depend, our codependence in it. It's quite important, isn't it? You've been given this world. Now, in the Gospels, Jesus points out that actually the prince of the earth is dominating this, this world, and his, his rule is the one that's overcoming us, most people, and making it uh, the rubbish that it can be. But the essence of this message, isn't it, is that Jesus called us out of that darkness into his light so that we could see this world for what it should be and live and act according to what we were supposed to be. God has placed mankind to steward, to shepherd, to husband, in the agricultural term, uh, the, the world, to look after it. And it takes something of a, a religious, a spiritual jump, doesn't it, to do that. I think that's really helpful. Sometimes you need a little key to help you understand, you know, that shift, don't you? Who's seen The Hobbit? About half of you, but not even half of you. You've got to get to the cinema more, people. <laughs> Who's read The Hobbit? Right, okay, that's, be that's better, much more educated. Right, so in The Hobbit, in The Hobbit, there's this wonderful scene 
where Bilbo has had enough of the dwarves. He's had enough, and he wants to go back to his lovely little shire and bag end and just live out his days comfortably. And the dwarves are driving him up the wall with their constant short temper and infighting. But then he has this moment of clarity where he decides, he, he understands he has a home. He's got a nice little place in the Shire called Bag End. They are homeless. And his perspective shifts, and he decides to help them so that they can have the things that he has. And I wonder if this little story, this, this foundational part of the Bible, where we realize that we have a place in God's plan, that we're cared for, that we're treasured, that we're cherished, that we've been bought. I wonder if those are things that we can allow to fill our thinking rather than the way the world wants us to think. We have a place and we're affirmed in it. Uh, for those of you who don't think the Bible's got any jokes in it, um, Psalm 16 in the Book of Common Prayer translation uh, puts verse 7 of Psalm 16, he has plate the lot is fallen unto me in a fair ground. I have a goodly heritage. Uh, ever since the Book of Common Prayer was produced uh, with that verse in it, it's, Psalm 16 has been known as the gypsy psalm, been placed in a fair ground. Oh, good. Wait till somebody at the back laughs. Okay, so. <laughs> so it's important, though, having a sense that God has placed us in a good place. Let's be honest, we live in a good place, don't we? How have we, how is that something that we can recognize as God's plan for us? In his sovereign will, he has placed you in a community with, where some things are easy, but other things are more difficult. How are we going to enjoy and benefit from this? So I think it's important. He's placed us in the world, and he's given us a particular place with particular advantages over some things and particular challenges for other things in which we can play a role, in which we can bring the good things of God to people around us. So he gives us uh, this delightful sense of purpose, doesn't he? Verse uh, 26 and verse 28 uh, talk about this idea of um, being fruitful and ruling and subduing. And do you think that's, that's wonderful? In the, later on in chapter 2, this idea of work is given a religious or devotional duty. Do we see that what we do has some kind of spiritual benefit? That it's got a lasting quality? And we don't always know where it goes. A conversation you might have with somebody, a, an act of kindness, that might echo forever. That might be something that sticks with somebody for a long time. Likewise, an act of unkindness or a lack of wisdom can have the same effect. But the work we've been given to do can have divine and long-lasting uh, implications. But we are being rooted in the world in order to work it for God's purposes. Now, we know from following this series through that all of these things come under Christ. And in Colossians, we read that all these things have been going to be made subject to him because he's reconciled them back to what they're supposed to be. We know it's not quite right, but he's brought them back 
to what they are suppo- it was supposed to be. He's going to restore it by the renewing action of his death for us on the cross and his resurrection. So not only do we have a place, but when we look at it and we go, that ain't quite right, we can say, actually, but this is something that God may have concern for. It may be something that God can do something about. And we read, don't we, in uh, the book of Romans, that creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, to appear, to do the things that they were expected to do. What a lovely thought that creation is actually waiting for us to step up a bit and be a bit more like the representatives God called Adam and Eve to be. What a fascinating thing, isn't it? So we're painting a picture, painting a picture uh, which is very good about, and it's got us in it. And we need to think about the story that it, that it gives us, what we should be doing. We just think for a moment, though. Adam and Eve, told by God, as the first representatives of his kingdom on earth, to go and rule the earth and subdue it and, and look after it. I ever wonder what's going through their minds. Do you ever think, what on earth is God on about? How do I do that? What am I looking for? What am I, looking for? What am I working towards? What does it look like? Well, those are great questions, aren't they, actually? Those are questions that we should be asking ourselves. How is God, how is what I'm going to do today, how can it bring something of God into the world? The Christian comedian Sally Phillips has, her oldest son has a Downs syndrome, and she made a wonderful documentary, uh, which is still on YouTube, and I can find the link for you if you want, about her campaigning for the rights of people with Downs. Because in other parts of the world, and she she focused on Iceland, children uh, in utero with Downs are uh, terminated automatically. It's just government policy. And she said, but how's that right? How's that fair? How's that, how does that, you know, how can we not talk about something more positive? How about the quality of life? How about the things that can be done? And so she has made it her mission to campaign for the rights of people with Downs in the UK and beyond. She's had a look at the world and somehow God has inspired her to do something. He's inspired her to sort of try to make a difference. It's the sort of, it's the answer, isn't it? She was, she was in her story, I've heard, her, I've heard her speak about this, and she talked about how I wondered what to do, and it just, God just gave me a passion for this. Adam and Eve had to have had a passion for the work that God had given them. Have you got a passion for the work that God has given you? You don't have to answer that right now, but hands up would be great. <laughs> but what's the passion? What's the thing that you're going to do? What's the thing that you are going to be prepared to do? Last week was Pentecost. And there is a picture, isn't it, of God inspiring, giving his spirit, as he had breathed into Adam and Eve, giving his spirit to create a new humanity who were going to bring those things that were originally in Genesis back to earth, to that restoring program that he wants to achieve. I wonder what God would inspire 
you to do. It's the Lord breathed his life-giving spirit into Adam and Eve as he gave his spirit at Pentecost. I wonder what they were inspired with. I wonder what you're inspired with. Because that's, the, that's a picture of the completed or renewed humanity. Paul talks, us, uh, talks about us being new creations. Have you got that picture of human beings in his image, filled with his spirit, the physical, mental, and spiritual capacity and tools for the work of God's people? It's a time to be dependent on the spirit, time to be dependent about, to think about the wisdom that we need, to have the strength and encouragement to chivy each other on and, and help one another around us. It's about being new. It's about being renewed. So I wonder, do we think we are heading away from, as God has filled you with his spirit, as God's given you this vision, are we heading away from or towards a hopeful future? Are you looking forward to the things tomorrow that you'll be able to do that will bring something of God's kingdom into that room, into that relationship? Are you able to be the person that God has given you to do? Answering that question, Adam and Eve, you know, I want you to subdue and rule the earth and bring my stuff in. And they're going, I don't know how to do that. But we're all asking that question, but we need God's help to do it. So imagine you're going to see somebody tomorrow, a relative or an employee, uh, and there's an issue. You don't necessarily get on, but something needs to be said, and it needs resolving or it's going to get worse. How might your belief in a loving creator God help that scenario? How might your belief and trust in a saviour who wants to reconcile things help you? How might the fruit of the Spirit, let's, let's not park the gift, but how might the fruit of the Spirit help you? This fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How might those qualities, the fruit that God has given us, I think the uh, analogy is stretching it too far, fruit in creation and fruit of the Spirit. But I think there's this wonderful idea, isn't it, that God has made available to us the things to help us change, be agents of change in the world around us. Or God's Word. How does that inspire us? I spent a lot of time this week wrestling with this verse from Proverbs. Ready? Sin is not ended by multiplying words but the prudent hold their tongues. That shut me up for about a day. <laughs> Sometimes you just need something that's going to help you. God's word. Am I going to make this better or am I going to make it worse? God saw all he had made and it was really good. Very good. Are we, can we be people who can change, change something, inch it a bit closer to being that very good that God has given us? So I want us to think about that for a moment now. At the back of the uh, church, there are four colored rectangles of paper, and there's a few post-it notes on there. And you're going to go through a period of change. You're going to go through a period where hopefully you're going to go from something that's pretty good to something that's pretty good plus one or two. All right? 
What are the things, what are the things that we want to see happening here? What are the things you want to see happening in this church? How is a belief that is very good, how is it a trust that there's a reconciling saviour who brings peace and love? How is that going to help? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to think about that, and then I've asked Anne and Ian to say a couple of short things, just to hopefully illustrate my point. Get that? (laughs) So let's just be still for a moment and allow God to lay the things that are important for him on your hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you came to restore all things and bring them back to yourself. We thank you that there are verses in Hebrews that talk about all things being brought back together and for you to present us as brothers and sisters before our Heavenly Father. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is abroad and is amongst us. Would you bless us, Lord? Would you inspire us, fill us, renew us, change us for your glory?